Soccer. Uh, and today I'm recording after the Rockies have won their seventh ball game of the year against the San Francisco Giants. And I wanted to talk to you about a couple things today. Uh, first of which, I wanted to refer back to the article that I wrote late last week. Um, and it was about the bullpen. I was discussing, can the bullpen stay hot? Now, I think uh, what I essentially said in there was the bullpen can stay hot. I think we're a good bullpen. But Wade Davis is probably not someone that we should use um, long-term as a closer, someone that we should rely on in high-leverage situations. Uh, I outlined his velocity issues um, and his dip in velocity that he saw from last season. I think he's proved... Uh, he's proved me right so far. He um, Immediately after that article was published, um, that was the night that he imploded against the San Diego Padres um, and essentially gave up that, that lead for us. Um, and in other news regarding the closer spot, uh, Scott Oberg may be missing the entire season. Um, with probably our best closer option not available and with Wade Davis as not a viable closer option for the rest of the season in my opinion I wanted to discuss some options um, at the closer spot I picked out five that we could talk about because there's no standout candidate here in my opinion I think there's probably one guy that has a little bit of a an advantage over the others, but I think everyone's on essentially the same playing field. So first, I want to discuss to discuss who Bud Black used tonight against the Giants um, is Jairo Diaz. So Jairo Diaz, uh, he has really good stuff, and he's been missing a lot of bats um, this year. He has a really, really high whiff percentage um, on the year. I believe is a 42.9%, which is extremely high. Um, but uh, at the same time, he's gotten himself in quite a few jams in almost every appearance he's had. So I'm not really the most comfortable with him shutting uh, as that shutdown guy in the ninth inning. Now, he always gets out of these jams, or at least he has so far. But I don't know if I want to go into the ninth inning having a jam every time, or at least somewhat frequently. Um, he has the stuff to do it, but he needs to settle down for me to be comfortable with him in the closing role. Uh, the next option would be potentially Carlos Estevez. Um, I know Bud Black trusts him a lot, um, but I don't know if he has the raw stuff to close. Uh, we saw him the other day pitch in a, a pretty low leverage situation against the Padres when we had a very sizable lead. Um, and he, he kind of got hit a little bit, so I don't know if he's a slam-the-door type of guy. Um, so I think he's better as a middle reliever, maybe, maybe a setup guy here and there. Uh, so I wouldn't des definitely be comfortable with him closing the door. I don't know if he has the stuff to do it. Now the third option is pretty intriguing, and it would be it would be pretty insane would be if Daniel Bard ended up becoming our closer. I think he has some of the best stuff on this list, and he's been effective so far. Um, his velocity is up there. It's it's been somewhat inconsistent. Like he's gotten up to ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, but he hasn't been sitting up there. He's essentially had to reach back and get those numbers. He's been sitting about 95, which is still really good. Like, he's, he still throws really hard. Um, he has a lot of good action on his pitches. 
and his slider breaks really well. Um, I haven't seen a slider break like that here in Colorado um, from a reliever for uh, for for a pretty decent amount of time, uh, probably since Ottavino. Um, but uh, I I probably tend to trust him more. But we don't have enough of a data sample size to work with. He's only been back pitching for. Uh, essentially the, this whole season for nine games. He hasn't pitched in every game, obviously. But um, I I wish we had a bigger sample uh, to work with with him, but I think he has the raw stuff to do it. Now, after that, someone else someone else with really good stuff would be Tyler Kinley. Um, he has excellent stuff. He has a very high-velocity fastball, and his slider moves really well, but again, sample size for him is low. He hasn't come in in high-leverage situations um, either. So, again, I'm not sure how well we can trust him with the sample that he's had so far this year. And it doesn't seem like Bud Black has put him near the top of the bullpen, as in, like, he's not using him as much as he is the other relievers. seems like he's using him in more mop-up duty than anything. But I think he has the stuff to take a higher leverage role. Um, I just don't know if it'd be closer right off the bat. Maybe move him into more of a middle relief setup guy into more of a high leverage role. Um, I think he probably has better stuff than Carlos Estevez, um, in my opinion, and he's done really well so far. Like again, but he's only thrown like 40 pitches on the season. So uh, that's potentially an option down the road, but as of right now, we don't know what he brings to the table. Now, the fifth and final option is somewhat a... Again, I mentioned him on the last uh, the last podcast episode I did with Brian Kilpatrick, uh, but someone who's been a bit of a surprise so far this season is... Ty- is um, sorry, Yancy Almonte. Yancy Almonte has uh, done multiple innings of relief a couple times this season, and he's been very effective. Um, he had... I think he had a, a little bit of a misstep the other day, but... Um, he, I think, out of all the players on this list, out of all the pitchers here, he has the best combination of stuff, sample size, and success. Um, he's pitched probably the most out of anyone on this list except Jairo Diaz, and he's been more successful than anyone on this list uh, at that sample size. Uh, his stuff looks really good. His fastball breaks, and as does his slider. Um, I don't think Black will lean towards pitching Yancey Almonte late in the game in high leverage situation because Bud Black really tends to trust veterans over over young guys. But I think by watching him and by looking at the numbers, Yancey Almonte might be the way to go. Uh, his stuff moves, like I said, and he's had a really good amount of success. I think in terms of pitching style, he kind of reminds me of 2007 Manny Corpus, which is ridiculous because Manny Corpus had like an ERA plus of 231 that year or something, something ridiculous like that. Um, but Yancey so far has proven that he's he's a very capable reliever, and I think we should use him in high-leverage situations consistently throughout the rest of the season, even if he's not the closer. Um, but at this point, and at this point in time, I think he might just be the best option to close ball games for the Rockies. Um, again, I do want to see him in higher-leverage situation than he's pitched in, but uh, I think he, he'd be able to do pretty well just based off of the numbers and by watching him. Uh, so that was that was the first segment. I just wanted to discuss some options um, 
that we had for closer because our two options are essentially done. Uh, Wade Davis is not it's not prime Wade Davis anymore. I don't think he has what it takes um, to be an effective closer consistently at this level. And Oberg might be done for the season. Hopefully he's not. Hopefully he's okay and will recover from those blood clots. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what the verdict is on him. Um, in other news, talking about the Rockies bullpen, former member of the Rockies bullpen Brian Shaw uh, has given up 10 earned runs in his uh, 2.1 innings pitched since leaving the Colorado Rockies. So I'm sorry. He can't really blame Coors Field anymore. He's just bad. All right, with, uh, with that bullpen section out of the way, I did want to move into discussing uh, basically the rest of the team, uh, mostly the offense and some of the pickups that we've had. So first of all, I wanted to discuss Matt Kemp. So I think that the signing of Matt Kemp, I was kind of confused by it at first, but by looking at the numbers, I talked about it in one of the early episodes um, of uh, the earlier episodes in the season of this podcast um, of his previous numbers. I, I know last year was kind of a downfall year for him, but again, it was a really small sample size. He only had about 20, uh, tw- he only played about 20 games. Uh, so I didn't think you could extract much data from him. But the year before that, in 2018, he looked really good. He had a, a WRC plus of 122. And so far this season, he's looked really good, and he's been very important in high leverage situations at the plate. Uh, we signed him to hit at lefties at Coors, and that's what he's done so far. Uh, and we've had him DH a couple times this season. And so far, he is second on the team and expected weighted on base average behind the absolutely on-fire, ridiculous Trevor Story. But Matt Kemp has looked really good. I mean, his his eye is still really good. He's uh, not swinging at, at at balls off the plate. He's not chasing. Um, he's getting on base, and he hits for power. He's already hit a couple home runs um, at Coors Field, and I think it was a great pickup. Um, very underrated. Um, speaking of his... his uh, Expected weighted on base average numbers. Someone who really surprised me on this list when I sorted it on Baseball Savant was Garrett Hampson. Garrett Hampson is in third place for the Rockies in expected weighted on base average. Uh, Garrett Hampson is uh, he's a really valuable player um, just because of his glove, his versatility, and his speed. He's one of the fastest players in the major leagues. Um, but you know, if he hits like he has, he has a weighted on base average so far, or sorry, an expected weighted on base average so far of 405, which is really good. Um, his actual weighted on base average is actually 304, which is not good, but I think it just indicates that he's, he's been pretty unlucky. He's hit the ball really hard. Um, but again, I think if he hits like he has, he's been getting really solid contact Hasn't necessarily seen the best results, but um, if he hits like he has been, if he's been getting that kind of quality contact, I think he deserves an everyday spot. We've already seen him flash his glove several times this season already. Um, He's played multiple positions. He's played left field, second base a couple times. Um, He can play uh, essentially five positions on the field between both middle infield spots and all three outfield spots, Um, though I tend to shy away from putting him in right field just based off of his arm. Um, but if he hits like he has, I think he might deserve an everyday spot soon. Uh, if you end up starting him, um, 
and left field or wherever because he has really good range out there or give him a couple games at second base, move McMahon over to first, I think you can really get a lot of value out of, uh, of Garrett Hampson. I think he can be a very uh, a solid contributing player for the Rockies this season. Now, someone who you'd probably expect to be heavily contributing to us so far in a, a really hot start to the season would be um, our best player, Nolan Arnauto, but uh, he's somewhat been a little bit absent when it comes to offense so far. He's been stellar defensively as usual, um, but his batting numbers are a little bit suspect so far. He's only had a weighted on base average of 233, while he is still sporting an expected weighted on base average of 316. Uh, I think a large, a large part of that is due to the fact that he's still making really solid contact. He just hasn't been able to get any of it to fall. He's been somewhat unlucky. Um, he's only sporting a 250 batting average on balls in play on the season, where usually Nolan is sitting around the 310s. That's a 60-point difference, and that's that's really big, and it's uh, definitely a significant number. So I, I'm definitely expecting a bounce back from him soon. Uh, in fact, he hit a home run tonight off of Johnny Cueto. Very important, very clutch uh, home run. We were down 4-1 to one at that point. Uh, two-run home, home run brought it back to a, only a one-run game. So I hope he gets back into form, and I have no doubt that he will just based off of these numbers. So honestly, I think um, as a whole, if we're looking at MVP candidates this year, Trevor Story has a case. Uh, like I mentioned on uh, earlier in this podcast, he has an expected weighted on base average of 521. That's even higher than his actual weighted on base average of 489. Um, I don't know if he's going to keep hitting uh, four home runs in every nine-game stretch, but he's still been absolutely raking. Um, his defense is excellent as usual. Uh, he might be in contention for both Gold Glove and MVP. I think if I had to pick someone um, who would... So far in the uh, in the MLB this season, someone who contributed on both sides of the ball, uh, the greatest it would it would be Trevor Story. He would probably deserve my MVP so far this season, um, especially with how well the Rockies are playing as a whole. Um, he's been a huge engine for our offense. We're off to a seven and two start. Um, our first loss there came at the very beginning of the season on opening night on a random night we got shut out uh, and then our other loss came in a pretty solid offensive uh, performance for us um, but it was just a collapse by Wade Davis at the end uh, it was a 5-4 ball game he gave up four runs um, and we almost came back and, and won that game anyways um, I think the Rockies are just are doing just as well as advertised I don't know if they're going to keep uh, keep up this pace but I think so far They've looked really good. There's no reason to suggest that there's a regression coming. Um, in fact, there's reason to to suggest that maybe we might be a little bit better if our best player starts kicking in um, like we expect him to. Um, again, my only area of concern is that we don't really have a real closer. So hopefully we can figure that out. Again, I recommend Yancy Almonte. We'll see how he does um, in higher leverage situations. Uh, hopefully we can get a higher sample of that so we can actually get some data points on him um, in those situations. But the Rockies look competent in all aspects of the game, both home and away. Okay, there there is actually one thing I did need to mention in terms of expected regression. 
We have not yet seen the Rockies play an away series after a stretch at Coors Field. Uh, now, if you've paid any attention at all to the Coors Field effect, um, uh, if you're a Rockies fan, you should know that there is the opposite effect, the Coors Hangover, which I've discussed um, both on this podcast and as well as in some of my articles for Mile High Sports. Um, so the series directly after home stretches are usually the ones that kill us because we have to adjust to balls moving um, at altitude because the Rockies have seen that for a couple weeks now. And now when they go out to, say, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly where our next series is off the top of my head, but when they go out on the road, when they go to sea level, um, the ball moves differently. And that's uh, a huge reason why most Rockies have really dramatic home road splits. However, um, something that I mentioned again before on this podcast and in some of my writing, Nick Groke of The Athletic did a piece last year where Charlie Blackman started using a pitching machine uh, with the Rockies to simulate pitches that they would see on the road. Um, and that that definitely uh, altered how they hit afterwards. So they started using the pitching machine to simulate, and immediately most of their uh, weighted on base averages spiked after that, um, with the exception of Trevor Story. I think that was an outlier, but um, Nolan Arenado and Charlie Blackman, uh, David Dahl, Danny Murphy, all of these players started hitting better after that moment in time. That was the away series in New York last year. So I think if they continue this, and I think if this actually pans out to be something to uh, hamper the Coors Field effect, we might actually see the Rockies. Uh, win some ball games on the road after a home road uh, after a home stretch. You know, I think that's something that's a cause for excitement for Rockies fans, but also at the same time a cause to be a little wary of away series directly after home stretches. Uh, hopefully, the Rockies have been able to rectify that adjustment, and hopefully they'll be able to be able to hit on the road um, if they get that offense rolling on the road. I think they have a really good shot at making the playoffs. In fact, on Fangraphs, Fangraphs calculates the percentage, the chance that um, some Rocky or that some teams will be able to make the postseason, and the Rockies are officially more likely to make the postseason than they are likely to not make the postseason. Uh, Fangraphs has them about a fifty-two percent chance to make the postseason. So that's good news for Rockies fans, and hopefully we can end up seeing them as a wild card. If not win the division, as unlikely as that may be, um, I definitely expect the Dodgers still to win the division just because they're so good. Um, But still, I think there's there's some remote possibility that the Rockies go on some ridiculous stretch uh, for the rest of the season. So we'll see how that goes, and uh, thank you for listening. Tune in next time on the 20th and Blake Street Podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Cade Walker NBA and like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.